welcome to Under the Farki. I'm with Anatola. And today <laughs> we're talking about fatherhood with our bro, our papa of the day, Daniel Howe. Thank you for having Jazz me. Fingers. Grateful, blessed. So who <laughs> are you, my bro? Give us a quick rundown, quick background. What you up to with your life? Why your papa? Nah. <laughs> Why? Why? No, yeah. Why my papa? Well, it starts uh, on a very loving afternoon. Yeah. Nah, um, tato. Um, my name is Nathaniel Hal. Heuri tenei noti fano apa nui ngati pro ngaitahu. Ngāti wai anō hoki. Um, I tēnei wā, uh, I'm working towards releasing a TV show called Huro Pepe. So uh, it's going to be coming out uh, later on in this year. So I'm a television producer, run my own businesses, work in music, work in entertainment, work in media, work in just about every little space I can get my funny little hands on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, nah, ultimately my um, number one responsibility and priority at the moment is uh, being a papa, which I'm, is why I'm coming on this potty. Massive. So cheer, thanks for having me. Jack of all. I try to be. Master of Zilch? No, no. Yeah, master of like very little. Very <laughs> zilch. But uh, no, wide, cool, wide depth, wide array of skills. <laughs> well, we like to start our, our show with a quick icebreaker. Okay. Just to warm us into the into the hohonu stuff. Okay, kapoi. So uh, Hohonu, how hohonu? Ah, it's hohonu, you're okay, going to get my okay. pay. Right. <laughs> but to start, it's a game of yena or na ye. So ah, yeah. you have to pick your stance on this statement. Kapoi. Yena or na ye. Fine? Yeah. Our statement of the day is, do aliens exist? Me? Whoever wants to start. You go. Um, nah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%, mm-hmm. they absolutely exist. I feel like because of the world is so... Pre- no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Can you no, how do you know? Like, how do you know? Have you yeah. seen one? Yeah. Wait, but there's so many sightings, I feel like, around the yeah, world. So. And I feel like if we're just like thinking about Earth and like there's such a big universe out there, mm. I feel like how could they not be something out there? Mm. And maybe it's not like our idea of what an alien is. Maybe mm. it's something so completely different. But I would say it would it would shock me if they weren't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I would be shocked the other way. I wouldn't be shocked if they were. Yeah. If I saw an alien like an ET, I'd be like, oh, amazing. Like, you know, like that's yeah. that makes sense. But mm. yeah, I just don't think it's our perception of what it is. Mm. Yeah. It depends. It oh. depends on whether or not we're in the matrix or not. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. If we are not in the matrix, then I would say there's an absolute chance that there's aliens. Right. If we are in the matrix, we are the aliens. <laughs> and I just opened up yeah, 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 yeah. a whole different kettle of fish. Right. So, so, actually, so, like, if we're in, hey, because you're like, so if we're in like a simulation matrix, right now us mm-hmm. then uh, is every person playing a role or is, are we all present or are you just present well i used to have this theory that um everybody is a a, a character in my story yeah nice no, the truman show the truman yes, yes. <laughs> but then i just thought how hollow that would be if it was like <laughs> real life and all like, oh, nah it's not all good so yeah I just think, um, I kind of lost where I was going with that, but yeah, I reckon... Possibly. Possibly. 
Massive. Depending on probably, the situation. Probably. There's probably oh, aliens. Oh, they yeah. probably live among us. And right. we don't deserve to know who they are. No. Why would they give... Why would they let us... Yeah. Why would they let us know Absolutely. who they are? Considering all the bad things that are going on the in the world. The warmongering The warmongering tribalistic, starved their own people, yeah. scrapping over <laughs> everything you could think of. Mm. I don't think if I'm an alien, I'd want to... Yeah, well, I I'd want us doesn't. to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look how they treated ET. Mm. Well, away. actually, if you mm. think about every single alien film, yeah, it's like alien propaganda. We yeah. we're literally killing all the aliens and all the alien. Exactly. Films. I recently read this book where an alien made contact, and um, this alien made a whole plan um, to uh, devise the whole plan to infiltrate the world. Like they were coming in peace. But they knew that they wouldn't be accepted how oh, they yeah. were, yeah. so they came back. They, one of the mega stars of the world at the time, died, and they took their body over on death, mm. and lived the world as the as superstar and showed that they could be loved. Oh. Yeah, and then they revealed to the world, "I'm an alien." Yeah, I'm an alien. It's like a coming out party. Yeah. yeah. Do you think aliens feel love the way that we feel, or is it like? Do you think? I think love's universal. One, you think it's gonna be universal? I reckon mm. there's a few things that are universal. I reckon love, mm. music. Mm. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I reckon music's gotta be like vibes and frequencies have to be everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. the planets and all the different things. Mm. Well, because music is an expression of time and space. Sure. <laughs> so when we record music, we're just re recording an expression of time and yeah. space. Yeah. Music is just space. It's hollow, and it's uh, present at the same time. Nice. Wait, do you believe yeah. in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, okay, yes. okay. 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 Yes. That's cool, cool bro. Yeah. That's cool. We'll see. Nice. Nice. I, I hope like I this. I'm in the generation that gets to see it. I know. Wouldn't yeah. it be so amazing? To well, be these little babies one. are aliens, eh? Hmm? But you know, like, would you <laughs> if you got to see it, would you believe it? You know, like how yeah. it's like. But no, would anyone else believe you too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, hey, even when they say like we've just found a UFO, you're like, ah, go on. Yeah. Because I reckon you'll be like, oh, I got a mate Maori, or something like that. You know, like that's yeah. more. The, or somebody will be like, bro, you got a mate Maori, bro, or something like that. You know, I reckon that will happen before you believe that I actually saw an alien. Right. Yeah. Okay, I feel like we can go on and on and on about this question because it's a really yeah, good one. Really but good one. we're going to do a pop quiz. Yep. So you're going to ask us questions, and mm -hmm. Tahu and I have this beautiful Why whiteboard. Is this but not aliens. I could go on about aliens. So we've got this beautiful whiteboard, and you're going to ask us questions, and we're going to each write um, our answers, and then we're going to have a little corridor about it. Okay. Oh, you got one. this. Because we're talking about papahood or fatherhood mm -hmm. or um, being a father in the, is it still the 21st century? Yeah. In yeah. the 21st century, mm -hmm. my questions are related to fatherhood. Cool. Hi. So I got some alarming ones. You ready? Oh, God. Okay. True or false, Māori fathers have the lowest involvement in their children's lives compared to other ethnicities. Oh, what type of question is Mean. <laughs> I'll say it again. True or false? Maori fathers have the lowest involvement in their ch children's lives compared to other ethnicities. Mm. I'm sticking up for the Maori dads. Don't be PC about this one. I'm fine. not. Don't I'm sticking PC. up for the Maori dads. <laughs> false. True. Tahu. That is true. Apparently, Aiki te tahi. 
I just went with stats, like, because, you know, there's the black dad is the mm. um, stereotypical, yeah. um, you know, not present father mm. along, uh, along many narratives. But then I went, well, there's not that many Māori, and I know too many Māori with no papa. Mm. So... But I just wonder how they scale that. Like, do they do, like, research on that? It'd have to be per capita. Uh, yeah, it would be per capita, yeah. but then I also wonder what in comparison that would look like for Pākehā population, because Pākehā the largest population in Aotearoa, right? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. So then I'm they would have a less... They might have more people, but a less percentage. Mm. Less ratio. Yeah. It's always about the proportion. That's a ratchet one. Yep, pretty yeah. ratchet. Um... Pop quiz number two. Question number two. What percentage of Māori children have regular contact with their fathers? Let's just we'll say who, see who gets the closest. Closest, okay. Right. What percentage of Māori um, children have regular contact with their fathers? With their papa? Dang, I don't know. These are like serious topics. I'm trying to be easy about it. Nice. I'm going with 57%. Oh, fuck, I can't do that. Again, Fano, <laughs> what percentage of Māori children have regular contact with their fathers? 32. And Tau saying 57. I said 32 because you said... Oh, you with your odd numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Tola saying um, 32, eh? I said 32% because you said it's true. I don't know. Yep, like I did say it was true. Yep, so what percentage of Māori children have regular contact with their fathers? That would be a dismal 28%. Oh, so Tolo, yeah, you've got the closest. So one in four. So you look at 100 kids, 28 of those don't have yeah. contact with their involvement with their no, twenty. Oh, 28 don't have. Mm -hmm. oh, no, I sorry. Only 28% yeah. have. Yeah. I want to know though, like, what's the context in that? Like, have they left? Have they, like, what's the context? Mm, you know some, what I mean? There are some details yeah. missing in this one. I want to know. Details we will figure out <laughs> at the end of this podcast. <laughs> okay, he's ready for the next question? Yeah, you got it. What <laughs> proportion of single parents <laughs> are dads? And let's just go one and Single X. parents are dads. What proportion of single parents <gasps> are fathers? Our fathers. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I, I love this is like a freaking guessing game. I'm like, the number game. I don't I've gone like. with 5%. 1 in 20. 1 in 20? I did 1 in 12. 1 in 12. Okay. These are both quite a bit off. It's one in six. I've just been getting more and more discouraged yeah. from these. Yeah, yeah, that's why we're just bringing it back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just bringing yeah. it a back little bit to of a healthy hope. level. But that's for everybody. I was talking about Maori parent, Maori fathers. Before. Also, I'm not good at math, so like one in twelve, one in six, one in twenty. Like, who knows the difference oh, yeah. really? Get your perspective. <laughs> yeah. All right, last question: What percentage of family right. court cases are the children awarded to their fathers? Oh. It's a deep one, this one. Kind of sad. Yeah. I feel like this would be a sad number. But again, 2%? I wonder. I said 5%. These are uh, both quite a bit off. It's oh. actually, positively, it's actually oh, higher. Oh. So um, what percentage of family court cases the children awarded to the father? It would be 15%. Oh, okay. It's quite 15 a bit higher. Still low. Still you guys went really, really low. Yeah. yeah, well, I've just been thrown off with. <laughs> <laughs> I just brought me straight down to a pessimist. 
I also, the, yeah, again, a, a lot of this is like, I want to know the context, you know? Like, unfortunately, a lot of it, is, there's a perception that mothers are more nurturing and safe. And yeah. that perception is really harmful to fathers that are also nurturing and safe. Mm. And the court system, so. I want to know context of that. Hi. That'd be a mean research, to be quite honest. Oh, uh, not my type of research. Be a oh. tough one. Yeah. Well, that's a pop quiz. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. For Thank you, Nat. That was that Bro, was good. Hectic. Enlightening me into your answers. Yeah. <laughs> did you know any of those answers before? Um, I did a little quick little um a little, a little doozy, a little rangahe around it. But um I think it's kind of, it can be a little bit dangerous when you delve too much into the statistics and not into yep. the actual story on the ground. Yeah. Um what's actually going on when you once you peel back the layers, yeah. that's when you start to sort of reveal what um you know what's important and yeah. what is not so important and in the mm. context of like what we're talking about about papahood there's like so many amazing things when you become a papa um a parent in general mm. and like that is actually like what's more important to me than necessarily like looking at a macro issue that yeah. seems to be really bad mm. <coughs> so bad and pulling it back <coughs> down into okay what's actually important like on the ground mm. yeah those are some pretty revealing stats, though. Mm. Is, is, did those questions stem from your relationship with your papa? What, what was your relationship like with your papa? Um, it was still some, yeah, my relationship with my papa was, there's definitely some challenges, like um, growing up. And I think that, you know, all credit to the boys, all credit to um, my old man, like, Everyone has a journey, everyone has an experience, mm. and like um, <laughs> oftentimes we can kind of look at our experience and the difficulties and the traumas and all those sort of things and look at them as if like, and they are a big deal because there's something we lived through, but um, sometimes like growing up, that perspective can kind of shift and you can kind of see that, oh, life was this way because of these factors that mm. I wasn't aware of or now that I'm getting older and understanding what it's like to be a papa I can understand my dad more than I might have as a as a child but like just going back to your part I bro like my my relationship with my old man growing up was so my mum and dad like one of the significant moments in my life my mum and dad separated when I was just at the tail end of my primary school mm. years. So like quite quite young, but I was old enough to understand what was going on. Um, you know, I was old enough to know a life where my parents were together. Yeah. Um, and to be to be to be really fair, like I being the eldest of three boys, like I kind of took on and I I saw a lot of what was probably like a toxic relationship between my parents. And so like the point when they separated there was probably about a period of two or three years that was like real challenging as a as a young person uh, particularly going moving into like intermediate school and early mm. high school and you're trying to figure out your way and you're growing up a little bit you understand a lot more um but yeah that was kind of a significant moment in my life when they separated because it put a lot of responsibility onto me to kind of nurture and care and kind of um, guide my younger brothers um and be the center point for Alfano. So like as my parents split, um, you know. Are you the middleman? 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. being that middle, middle, middle ground between my my brothers and and then my parents. Um, but then, like, I guess I mean I remember early days. Like, so my dad was a entrepreneur. He he sort of run a really successful business. Um, businesses, plural, um, was quite high up there in the uh, fashion industry, and then sort of the global financial crisis hit and like the first thing that people don't want is men's high in fashion and and uh, like a financial crisis so um that kind of turned to um a few uh issues arising in his businesses and he sort of had to start to uh, for lack of better words like put his time and energy into trying to fix that uh, issue that was going on so um that kind of created like early days my dad's always been a loving and he's always been positive and he's always been encouraging and he's always um he's always said that he loves us and you know that's 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 like the basis of any relationship yeah. between a papa and and their kids um a papa and a son in particular like is to know that you're loved but then it's the nuance of that relationship it's the okay well how does those words translate into actions every single day, every single minute, or non-action, inaction as well. That's a big thing about being a papa. It's not just about what you do, but it's also about what you don't, don't do. do. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, there were some early stresses leading into that sort of separation of my parents, my dad sort of trying to save his business. Uh, and then, um, you know, because I, I don't want to air my dad's dirty laundry out as well. It's like important to, I think as a son, it's important to like, um there's a respect there as a, as a i think it's a maori thing eh? like just have that respect there for your papa um so yeah he was he was there but there are definitely moments during those challenging times where although he was there and active and wanted to wanted to play a role in like our upbringing i think like the factors around his circumstances pulled him pulled him away from sort of the day-to-day -day stuff being, being present being present and I, I i say that like because i'm in a very good position now to be able to like connect up with a whole lot of young papa who mm. are just starting off their journey i'm just starting my journey as well you know i'm only two years into my journey as a papa um, but i feel like i'm kind of like 10 15 years into it because i kind of Probably helped to raise my brothers um but like to have your own kid uh and just going back to what i was saying um when you're when I'm talking to all these young papa, I think like if there's anything I could say to any papa like as a foundation of your your new journey, it's like your best ability you'll ever have is your availability. Sure. And nice. like, and I, I think that's like real powerful because if we talk, a, in 2009 to Wakahuya, our um did a haka called Hereanga uh, Kore Papa. Uh, and the nature of that uh, haka was about talking about a fatherless generation in Māoridom mm. uh, and kind of pointing the finger at our fathers for um, and looking at why we seem to be experiencing, our kids seem to be experiencing. And that was us. They were talking about us mm. when they were doing that haka. So I wasn't a part of the team at the time, but they were looking at our generation and seeing a generation that the fathers aren't around, papa, reanga kore papa, they 
they're having if the fathers are around are they emotionally present are they yeah. psychologically present are they ghosting yeah. like and i talked to stevie about my partner about this um last night and um like the number one thing you should never do to your kids is ghost ghost them absolutely like because eventually you'll end up being ghosted yeah. like and it'll always come back to you there's always going to be a point as a parent where you're going to want the love and the affection of your kids when it's not there mm. uh so if, and if you've if your kids have grown up uh learning that their parent will happily ghost them when it's convenient for them they're going to turn around and you know uh reciprocity reciprocity the rules of reciprocity mm. means that that's going to come back to you so yeah. um yeah I, just going back to that haka you know it was a really powerful hard-hitting haka um and i think it really shone a light uh onto like an issue that we had in maoridom with like the deconstruction of what our what it means to be a papa and what that relationship between a papa and their kids looks like and should look like mm. and i think there was probably a couple of generations that have just gone and so in the haka they talked to the generations of how it, how it came to be that way and i think if we go back to um probably a significant event in maori culture and maori society would have been when the 28th maori battalion were involved in or both the first world war and the second world war and if you think about that as a destruction of our family unit yeah. you're looking at an entire generation of potential papa mm. or current papa who would have just had their kids mm. going off to uh, another country uh, to serve what they would call the price of citizenship uh, for a country and a whenua who don't love them. Exactly. Uh, for a country and people who have no connection to those mm. to those young people, young young Maori men who went off to war, and then you're looking at um, all of the impacts that happened to those young Maori men, uh, the traumas that they experienced in war, and we know all of the PTSD and all those sort of things that mm. came back, the alcoholism that was became pertinent in Maori society, um, you know, mm. upon the upon the return of our soldiers from from war, um, the land loss that they experienced, um, so having an economic base taken away from them, mm. in a context where it was seen for Maori to or for Papa to be the providers. So it's not like the context we see today. That the context was different, and so yeah. back then you had a generation that were basically can i swear mentally fucked yeah. mm. they become mentally fucked they have all these traumas they have no support when they come back they lose their land mm. then they have to work for the people the farmers yeah. who were given yeah. the stolen land exactly. to them uh you know and then um nah. and then all of the host of issues that started to come um and so you have this that young and then the next generation from that, maybe our grandparents or maybe our fathers, you know, they experienced the worst of what that was. And you mm. saw a, lot, a whole bunch of abuse. You saw a whole lot of physical mm. abuse, a lot of sexual abuse. You saw mm. a whole lot of, um, yeah, Hurt. mental, spirit, yeah, just abuse yeah. in general yeah. from people who had just never had any support, you know, yeah. and, and, 
And that is the role models, by and large, the everyday role models that potentially our fathers or our grandfathers had to uh, nurture them in their own journey. Um, and then you kind of come down to our generation. And I think the cool thing about what I'm seeing on the ground with our generation mm -hmm. is that you're, actually you're starting to see a reversal. You're actually starting to see a reversal of papas wanting to be involved with their kids, mm -hmm. papa wanting, papa accepting and um, willing to change their their role as yeah. as fathers. So it's not just like we're not just seeing people just go back to the same old way of being mm -hmm. papa, but it's actually like what does a modern context look like? Um, yeah, so it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us to kind of heal our own trauma and move into a space where we don't replicate those same behaviors and those same yeah. attitudes to the next generation. Uh, and there's a saying, eh? it's called whatia te porofita, which means break the cycle. And somewhere along a whakapapa line, you know, everything gets passed through whakapapa. That's the importance of whakapapa. Everything gets passed through, whether, whether it's genetic, whether it's like um, emotional or mental states, whether it's trauma, uh, or whether it's skills and attributes, mm. so everything gets passed by and large through, uh, through Papa. And I like to think of Papa as like, as a mosaic of all of the, you know, we are like a, a mosaic. mosaic. We're a mosaic of all of the Papa lines. We're a right. selection of specific attributes, skills, and things. Um, and what I'm, what I'm. With that um, pass through Papa, it's sort of our job to realise that if there's things that don't serve us, that don't serve our families and our kids and our tamariki, that we can break yeah. the cycle. And the only way to break cycles is to just leave it behind yeah, uh, and move move forward and actually have a clear vision of what you... Um, what you want to see yeah. in the future. Man, that's so important, eh? And I, I love how you, um, you know, before your corridor, you were talking about, like, seeing the that people make decisions. Like, this is a human experience, right? Mm. And I love that because I feel like a lot of the time we don't humanise our parents a lot of the time. Because mm. in the midst of it, we're like, they did this, or like, or you, you heroise them. Like, they're your hero and whatnot. Yeah. But to humanise them when you get older, you're like, oh, they were, like, figuring it out. They were making decisions like if they were having you in their 20s or 30s they're still like young and mm. they're still making mistakes and totally. like you happen to kind of be in the spitfire of that um have you in 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 that like you sitting here and like really humanizing your dad and giving him so much grace have you ever had an opportunity to like speak with him about that and how was that received on his end um i i probably haven't had the opportunity to sort of talk through this um and it's not that he's uh he's not actually closed off i don't think but yeah. it's for more more so like i think i've moved past my uh trauma and i think i moved past pretty pretty early to kind of define who i wanted to be and yeah. so like that kind of just informs who i am today like i like to be really hands-on with my son and i like to have oh. like um i like to have availability for uh, him and yeah. um and i'm starting to learn like it's not for me to um, to just carry through my ex expectations I have over myself, but to actually like think about what you have to be tamariki centric in the way you look at things. And so, if you're tamariki centric, it means you're not 
thinking for me, but it's thinking actually for he, for my son. Mm. Um, but no, I haven't had the opportunity to have a quarter with my old man. And I think the time will come, but I don't know. I think a lot of the time we there's this glorification of talking, right? And it's a really uh, healing and a helpful thing for a lot of a lot of people. But sometimes not talking is actually just as mean because like <laughs> I had a little moment that buzzed me out where like I was just once just chilling with my old man like and we we're having a beer and like with my brother and that and I was like, wow, this is like cool. And like mm. you can kind of just forget about the issues you have and just realize, oh, like we have these moments together you can just... Mm appreciate but it doesn't mean that there's like you know it doesn't mean that there's complete healing but it's probably just something for me to explore um as i go through this journey yeah, yeah. but I, i'm i'm pretty keen to hear a little bit about your guys relationship with your guys papa mm. well touching go back to your that that call about the maori battalion and that crazy eh? like yeah, i was right. thinking about it and my grandparents, my mum's grandparents, they were both um, war veterans, mm. and one was Māori, uh, his name was Te Mikaire, but he went as Makoshe, he thought it was a superhero name, <laughs> and he was 16 when he signed up, and he went over, he got shot, he got um, heaps of stuff, heaps of PTSD, come home and was just, you know, like silly abusive, did some, did some sad things, like strap his kids, strap my grandfather to the tree and whip them and things like that leave them outside no kai those type of things like really really sick mm. um just they were just a hey, sick mawiwi but and he come home to nothing and my white grandfather uh, my pakeha grandfather and not nothing against them that's just how the world was going at the time he went to fiji and he was on post there through the whole world war and so he's in Fiji, lapping it up on the beach. Mm. Come home, got a whole farm in Rotorua. That was his reward for coming back to the thing. Yeah, and and like just the inequality and yeah. even that trauma. Mm. Like it's just what coming home and watching around you. And I'm sure as a young Māori fella, you would have seen those parky at the back. And you get home and you're like, the fuck are these guys getting fucking farms? They do nothing over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So and then, yeah, just... There, there's so much to unpack to that corridor, mm. which is massive. Um, yeah, yeah, I liked what you talked about, the um, presence, uh, presence mm. and availability. Um, growing up, it was a pretty similar um, experience for me with my, my papa. He was an entrepreneur and um, he's wearing big muscle farms and he moved, they sold up their company there, um, kept the farms luckily, but sold up the company and he bought a new company called Dive HQ. And that was like a massive failure. Lost all their pretty much cash available assets. Mm. And I remember growing up, like, because growing up, my childhood looked like when we were a baby, it was from two years old onwards, it was wake up at four in the morning, get on the boat with him, go do the harvest. And then I'll just sit at the front fishing. Then we do the harvest, get back, drop me off to mum. And she was in big trucks, big 18 wheeler trucks. She's hapu, we'd be, we'd get in the truck, they put the so muscles on, they drive us up the coast, <laughs> mum would come up here, drop the muscles off the Auckland, <coughs> go to uni, she was doing law in Māori at the time. Wow. So just park the truck up, go to uni, and then we'd get back in the truck, get home, dad would have been out maintaining the muscles all day, and we'd get home and it was whatever he caught on the lines and muscles for dinner. 
So that was my whole life growing up, from zero to to five, pretty much. And then mm. we sold that company. So, like that, I always knew I come from hardworking stock. But with that type of hard work, um, just no availability whatsoever. Mm. The only time I remember Dad was when he was putting the hook on my line mm. as a baby, and if not that, then fucking giving me hiding. It's, it's really sad because um, there's things like, you know, you you just monkey see, monkey do at a young age. Yeah. And um, I, I used to do this thing with, like, I was, I was would have been two, and I had this real bad thing about headbutting. Like, I just headbutt people. I don't know why. <laughs> and then, anyway, I headbutted my dad at the table one time, and he headbutted me in front of everyone. Like a little two-year-old baby. Mm. Um, shit like that. And... Um, I remember one time I dropped the wheat bix off the table at breakfast and because of that I must have chucked it off I would have been I, was, I, I know I'm a handful of a person but like as a kid you know they don't know any better nah, you're a kid. I chucked the yeah. wheat bix off the table and um, dad got the wooden spoon out and started smashing <laughs> me with it and mm. my little sister she was she's two years younger than me so I would have been two at the time and she was a baby, they were out doing the mara, and she had wheat bix in front of her. She would have been like six months old at the time. And um, she dropped the wheat bix by accident, you know, little baby, six months old. And what I had learned is drop the wheat bix means wooden spoon. Mm. So I walked to the drawer and I grabbed the wooden spoon and I just started hoeing into my little sister because mm. that's what it meant. Yeah, wheat bix on the ground means wooden spoon. So there's yeah. all these like backwards traumatic teachings that you're just giving trauma to babies I, and that's all I knew because mm. I knew love I, I'm not saying my dad's just been yeah yeah that's abuse. yeah yeah but you know and he's to this day my hero and he's a fuck new man with my little brother and sister they don't yeah, know yeah. this fella at all um, which is the story with everyone pretty much yeah. um, like how I see my grandfather he's he's one of my other heroes and the way mums in that generation talk about him was like this big scary man that mm. you didn't want to fuck around with. So it's, it seems like it gets better, but someone has to wear it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I had to wear I had to wear that for my siblings. And I, I don't know how it hasn't translated to me. Maybe because we've talked through things. I've been really confronting with my parents about yeah. it. Um, my mum was never... Um, I remember growing up once it got to the stage where I think she's seen it changing me because I was a little goer of a human. Mm. Like, um, like yeah, I just have too much, I had too much feist in me. There was like this one time I remember mum, <laughs> all I had to do was get the um, groceries out of the back of the car and I was pissed off as that I would have been eight or something. And I said, nah, I'm not getting the groceries out. And I run inside and... She says, if you don't get those groceries out, then it's go time. And I always knew what go time was. <laughs> and she used to do shit like walk down the hallway, slapping the wooden spoon on the hall. Mm. So like, uh, like you can hear it come. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I'm hiding in my closet. And I remember her like pulling out the thing. She must, all this pressure now knowing what mm. the pressure they were under. They lost millions of dollars. Um, they're raising tamariki, mm. all the shit that they're dealing with. And I know that's not right to take it out of me, but now understanding it, um, I've been a little bit more forgiving about it. You know, yeah. I just, it doesn't register where yeah, it's yeah. sat with me. 
Uh, but this one time, she, she, she pulls me up, she smashed me with this wooden spoon and she snapped it. And um, it wasn't enough for her. Mm. So like, I, anyway, she like throws me to the ground, walks back out, comes back in, new wooden spoon. Mm. Like that's when I knew this isn't for me. This is her getting her, her yeah. ready out. And yeah. we've, we've talked about that. Mum didn't touch any of the other kids. I don't know. Everybody blames me. Like I'm the problem. Mm. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's sad thinking <laughs> back at it now. Yeah. Because now that I've like processed it and had to explain it to them how I felt, um, it's been a massive learning. And there, there are definitely things um, like that, like where I, I have the same kind of urges and twitches with kids. Mm. Um, with my nephews and stuff, they yell and like want to say, shut the fuck up. Like, it's the way my dad used to talk to it's us. That harshness, eh? Yeah, and I've got that real like hardened off um, and it's sad because like you, when you're hardened off to it, then you stop feeling yeah. with it. Yeah. Do you and think you've forgiven your parents for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. It's amazing because I, I got to watch them in a better position mm. um, once they had made back all their money and we've been solid ever since. It's been a lot easier, easier. on them, I think, yeah. emotionally. Yeah. And they've achieved a lot more since. But I think I was just in the grind with them. I just caught that bit of their the life. stress, right? Yeah, where yeah. we were just in it all together, which is, which is sad, but I think it's turned me into who I am because mm. that's, that's where I get my go from, is from those, I draw on those, those mm. times. And I don't sit back and, like, I'm not really actively sad about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't affect, it's been something I've faced all the time and they always had to explain it to me um, as like they just explained why that happened mm. and why it was um, why this is the consequence of that and you know there's no right or wrong either like if that's the way you want to discipline your kids then see that's why I, that's why I interject because I think like we need to actually start making it clear like stop fucking beating your kids yeah. stop fucking hitting your kids right and like I'm gonna say it like there's this like un unsaid thing in Maori society that it's kind of all good to give your kids the bash yeah um, i remember like growing up talking to kids and my thing and it would just be so casual got the bash or like yeah uh, and like i'm i'm very fortunate like i got a few whacks but i never got the bash yeah like, um but you know like i think it's we just gotta make it clear like it's fucking wrong to beat your kids i think it's we justify it with their one was worse than our yeah, one. Oh, yeah, oh man, that's the yeah. worst that's thing so to do. Like, yeah. We survived it, yeah. so they yeah. can, you know. Because we yeah. almost lost our lives yeah. 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 to the people that should be loving and caring and yeah. nurturing towards us because they were fucked. Yeah. So we're going to be a little less fucked, fucked than they but were. But still fucked. And I think, like, we just... I think for now, like, because we, we're kind of sitting in a position where, okay, we can learn from them. Yeah. And if we don't learn from those things yeah. and change it, then they'll just keep keep existing and yeah. for another cycle we're going to have another generation of kids who think it's okay to use their fists to use their fists yeah don't get me wrong i see huge discipline issues that's have like since the anti-smacking bill came in you see those kids right now and those and people that are working in the schools know that the kids now have zero discipline but yeah. that there's dif there's a difference between disciplining with love and disciplining with anger yeah. and like and I think you have to make the distinction clear that bashing your kids is fucking abuse. Yeah. 
Right. Like um, differentiating. The yeah, you have to differentiate yeah. it. You have to be like, bro, you can discipline, but you don't have to fucking bash them within it. And I'm not saying that that's weapons. what happened to you, yeah, yeah but yeah, bro, imagine yeah. you're using you a rako. weapons. Using <laughs> yeah, a, imagine yeah. if that kid grows up and uses a rako on you. Yeah. Like, do you, do you, do you trust your safety? Yeah. If that kid grows up and grows up and is a nutcase and uses a, a rako against you, like it's like, no, you wouldn't feel safe. So why would you do that to the kid who's the who's? I, I what I really don't like about it is it's like defenseless. Yeah. Like, and and it feels like targeted bully. To get all that it is for me is that they getting it out of their system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Onto someone who's vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. these and like we were talking about before, like babies are the purest form. Bro, of, and and that what you just said, the pure the purity, bro. I, I remember reading a reading in um, uni. It's around like tamariki have a ha, are born with a particular modi, and it's mm. like a pure modi, and that modi is like. It's uncorrupted. Yeah. And when they get beaten, you kind of see that Modi, Kaheketera Modi, it starts to like, yeah. it starts to drop and that they start to lose Modi confidence lose, and yeah. they start to develop anxiety. That anxiety turns into depression. Mm. That depression more turns into arise. more problems, more yeah. problems. So um, we have to, we have to. And that's, that's a big thing I, I think that we need to start putting out into like, the new parenting communities is like we have to protect the modi of our kids and stevie's mom like brought up this really strong powerful quote and it doesn't exactly align to like beating your kids but it aligns to the abuse of our kids mm. and it's like we need i think you know i'm only paraphrasing here but i think it's along the lines of we need to stop bashing our kids and we need to stop fucking our kids and we need to stop fucking with our kids Mm. You know, like that's a very like hard thing to kind of say, but yeah. like my gut just went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's really, but it, it's a it's a strong message that we need to put out there for our whanau because it's we need to know that our kids have a modi, and once you take that modi away from them, you're stripping them of something pure that's not descended. From only your fucker papa, but mm. the entirety of your fucker papa mm. line. So, I I recently I don't recently I've watched it before, but do you guys know the Hate You Give the movie? Enlighten no. us. Pardon? No, I don't. Oh, it's 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 really good. It's a book, and do you know like Thug Life from Tupac? Mm. You yeah. know he says. Well, it's, I, did you guys know it's an acronym? Yes. I didn't realize it until I read the book, and basically it's like the Hate You Give little infants fucks everybody mm. and when they explained it they were saying like if you keep on fucking with your infants they're going to come back and fuck with you mm. and it's just going to keep on going and circulating mm. their behaviors and i remember like working with young kids and like um like when they would have violent outbursts they would get disciplined by their parents with violent outbursts mm. and they, if there were like fights that happening with like predominantly boys they would have like really big fights and i would always say to parents like how did you teach your kids when it came to like de-escalating situations or like conflict resolution like did you guys learn about conflict resolution as kids because i didn't Marlon was nope. running. Yeah, no, right? how i saw conflict resolution in my household was yelling at each other yeah, you know yeah, so like yeah. no one actually sat down with me and said tola when you're feeling emotional you're feeling overwhelmed these are how you can use your words or this is what you can do to like self-soothe we don't in, in none of us get taught that so like yeah. how do we expect our kids to and like i would sit with boys and I'd be like oh why are you fighting they're like oh because they mocked my sister or they mocked my mom 
and they'll be like, but my dad told me to like punch someone who does that. So I'm mm. like, if you get taught that, how, what happens down the track when someone like mocks your mom? Are you gonna punch them in the throat at your work? Like, these are the things that we don't talk about and how like yeah. those behaviors escalate from like tamariki out to like adulthood. Mm. And it's like, I, it's why it's always so painful when I see people talking about youth crime. Cause I'm like, how do we expect our kids when us as adults don't even know how to like, mm. you know, deal with all these things. Um, so I think like the way that you, you have like talked about it today is like so powerful. And I feel like so many people would benefit from this conversation because we don't often talk about emotions and all of that stuff, but we, I, don't, I don't hear men talking about it a lot mm. of the time. And I don't hear men talking about the beauty and the joys of fatherhood. So like oh. on that, like what makes you so like joyful when it comes to like being a papa? Like oh. what, what does it feel like? Lighten up <laughs> a little bit here, funny, lighten up. <laughs> nah, um, nah it's, it's, it's mean, like, you know, like we had a really um, deep, I had a really deep wananga with myself around like what it meant for me to have out when we were uh, waiting for Hawaii to come, what changes I needed to make in my life, mm. what kind of life I wanted to lead, lead what kind of papa do I want to be. Mm. Um, and then sort of the moment he came, like I was very fortunate to be read because we, when we were doing our, um, when we were having our first baby, Hawaii, we were like creating a TV show around parenting at the same time. It was mm. the first uh, series for Hudor Pepe. Um, and so like I was spending the whole nine months leading up to Hawaii, like learning about all the different experiences I people were having as, as fathers. And I was really like grateful to be able to like learn from other papa out there, kind of like what they're dealing with or what they're going through and, and mama too. Um, and how to be supportive for Stevie. And, you know, you kind of try your best. I still had my little uh, nuances in life that kind of were not so geared towards um, fatherhood. But straight up the moment, like, and I, I, I say this to all papa, like, be real involved in giving birth. Like, mm. you should be real active in the actual part of giving birth. Like, don't be that dad who's sitting outside waiting for the baby to come. Mm -hmm. Like, be there being the papa, because that's your first point of starting your relationship with your yeah. kid, is like how you nurture the baby in the womb. Mm. Uh, and so like, when it came to the point of doing all this wānanga, doing all the things we can be to be first time parents, and then getting to the point where Stevie's like, in her most vulnerable state, uh, and then ha like baby coming, and then like literally this is what happened when, when I caught baby, it was like this rush because I'm a very spiritual. Caught white. as in like sh yeah, literally caught. I literally your baby flew out. out. Oh, he he like he didn't fly out. But <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it took a little while to come out actually. To be honest, he wanted to stay in there. But um, when I like caught him from um, being pushed out, like wow. touching your baby that this is your creation, mm. it like a whole rush of wairua came. And I've had that rush of wairua for a few different other things in life, but it's like, this is like nothing else. Like, yeah. it's like, it's like, this is yours. Like, and mm. you created this with this, you created this beautiful human being, you created this life. Um, and then from there on, it's just like moments and moments and moments, like every single day is a blessing. And so like, that's the cool side of being a papa. And I yeah. think, 
you know, that it's easy as to be like, here's all the things that you papa are doing wrong, pointing the finger. But actually, like, it's an experience that we are, should be grateful to have. And, and mm. with that gratitude comes all the beautiful life lessons. So it's mean, like, and we shouldn't be, I think a lot of dads are papa are scared. Mm. They're kind of scared to be dads. They're kind of mm. scared to be parents. Uh, like, it's kind of sad actually that um i don't think there's a lot of support for papa mm. like when i look at all of the support networks there are for mums mm. first time mums or the different even like the like the the stuff that's like mainstream like most of it is geared towards to mums. supporting mums yeah. it's like well how does dad need to change his mm. life or how does dad need to shift up his thinking and mm. stuff and um yeah but it's mean though like it's a blessing yeah yeah and he he, he reminds me too he reminds me every single day that like there's a job to be yeah done and that's and you just enjoy the process mm. but here's 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 another thing like a lot of parents go into the situation looking at themselves as the engineer of their child's mm. life. So that, and what I mean by engineer of their child's life is they get to create everything. So yeah. they, their narrative. Yeah, they push their narrative and they say like, whatever they want to create in their baby's lives, whatever, whatever they want for their kids, they try and make that happen. And yeah. so I don't see myself as an engineer for my baby's life. I see myself as a shepherd and um and the job of a shepherd is to protect to nurture to um care for that uh child but it's also to guide them into the pastures that are rich and fruitful and mm. uh and lush and green so it's to, so it's to guide him or guide them into the environments that are going to help them to grow uh, yeah. as best as they can and so that's our job so if you think of yourself as an engineer, you're always going to put your expectation on your okay. kids and therefore they're never going to reach your expectation uh. right from the very beginning. If you think that you can engineer their lives, you're setting up yourself to failure. To fail, but if yeah. you shepherd them into the right environment and you shepherd them into the right direction, um, that means that whatever that child... Uh, whatever's right for them regardless of whether or not um it sits or in alignment with you you'll be able to guide them into the uh into the right space to get them to the right, the right. person mm. that they were meant to be for a first-time father if they're listening what would be your advice mm. to give them um yeah going back um, my advice would be to be available so you have to start to um, cut back your drinking. Start if if you're a drinker, mm. um, cut back your. If you have any vices, start to cut those back because mm. those will be like these are practical things. Mm. Those are going to be things that kind of start to interfere in your ability to just be uh, be present. So like mm. if you're a drinker, if you're a smoker, if you do all those things, just cut it back. Don't don't go cold turkey necessarily straight away, but trying to cut back so that you can just be a better person when you arrive on the daily. Um, block off some time block off block like make sure you block off a time and it's non-negotiable that that's going to be your time with your Love family that. like um that's been a really helpful for, thing for me as i navigate development and growth of my businesses and things like that is to make mm -hmm. sure that sometimes you're not going to have balance in life but uh, in order to be able to 
be that available parent you have to block off that time yeah. so that the, that that's always going to be dedicated towards your family and nothing and then you just got to find time elsewhere if you want to do anything else um another one, another one would be to like um we've got this interesting relationship between stevie and i it's like sometimes we over communicate so like a lot of the usual narrative is like you need know, to communicate 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 but it's not about communicating more it's about communicating effectively, effectively. Oh, yes. um, say that again yeah it's say not about again. communicating more it's about <laughs> communicating effectively exactly um and that's really important too because you have to be on the same page with mama and if you're not on the same page as a couple and you feel like that's a journey that is not working for you actually today you, there's so many co-parenting um, scenarios that mm. work so don't think that you have to stay in an unhealthy toxic relationship um if it's not working for you um but in order to be able to like maintain that relationship with mama communicate effectively um put your ego put your ego away lock it away i naturally flirt between <laughs> the lines of confidence and arrogance <laughs> <laughs> so oftentimes I have to learn to put my ego at the leave my ego at the mm. door. Um, that even though I want some things, they might not align with my partner. Even though she might want things, um, you know, they might not always be in alignment. So put your ego at the door. If there's scenarios like you got to put, you got to be tamariki centric when you're starting to think for somebody else. Always think like, is this best for them, not for me? Like. Yeah think of them before you think of you um and i reckon too um just have fun like mm. be fun be mm. light like be um i think papa take we take too much pressure on our we put too much pressure on ourselves you have to be the provider you have to be and i i'm guilty of this too i'm like i went through a whole year of the first year like being like i have to work 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 i have to provide i have mm. to be that guy and then hey, your kids don't care about that. Mm. <laughs> your babies don't care about like Not at all. that. Like they just want you around. Like mm. they just want to have fun with you. Like so, you know, for for first time papas out there, um, that that's a big one. Uh, and then I could go on for days, but I'll just I'll wrap I'll, I'll start to wrap that one up. But ultimately, I just think for first time papas out there. Um, I reckon embrace it, embrace the journey. Like it's going to be different. It's going to be heaps of changes. You're going to have to like, there's going to be moments you're going to have to like dig deep, like, and it's going to be hard as like, mm. it's not like a walk in the park, having a kid crying yeah. every single night for two years. <laughs> or longer. Or longer. <laughs> 18 Plus, years. 18 years. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah, it's not, it's actually not an easy journey, but it's a rewarding journey. Mm. Um, but you have to embrace it. Like if you're, if you don't want to be a papa, cause some, some people don't, mm. some people don't want to be papa. Some people kind of like find themselves into scenarios where it wasn't planned. Mm. Um, but, um, I like to think beyond myself and that, and it's like, well, there is a plan. The universe yeah. has its has its plan. So, yeah. if you find yourself fortunate enough to 
be the shepherd, mm. uh, then be the best one you can be and embrace it. Hi. Mm. Good place for a break. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but these are great gems. I know it's more focused Pretty towards cool, dads, bro. but like, yeah, great advice and knowledge. Be a shepherd. Don't be fuck a shepherd. Don't fuck <laughs> yep, be available, be present. And yeah. maybe heal before you start having kids. Oh, straight up. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah, like, heal your uh, wounds before you start having babies yeah. so you don't start giving those wounds to your kids. Hi. Yeah. Stop smashing them up. Yeah. No more Hard wooden out. spoons, fine. Yeah. Oi, no uh, more. What else? No more belts. No, yeah. So, nah, well, that's the thing. It's like, there's a lot of grey areas in yeah. parenting. And like, you have to exercise discretion. It. But yeah. Um, just realize that everything you do is going to mm. come back on you. Exactly. It's going to come back and, be, and bite you in the ass. It's not good. Anyway, oh, we're going to close up. I oh, love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sitting with us, Nat. Thank, thank like, you, Providing brother. some really amazing knowledge thank and information. Professor. And hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Um, and shout out to the papas, especially the Māori papas. Uh, come on. Come through. Just wanted to say one thing before I leave this beautiful podcast of ours. <laughs> um, and it's a little message to our whanau at home, to our papas in particular. Like, this is a, if you're about to engage in this journey and become a pa papa, like, this is going to be one of the most rewarding times of your life. Oh. And you're going to go through um, some struggles. You're going to go through some challenges. But just realize that uh, you're totally capable of doing it. Yeah. Um, and if you you find yourself stuck go on www.hudorpp.co and then no. there you go come through with the plug read my articles g <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> amazing right. thank, you. Thank, thank you thank you so much see you next episode Cheer. later